Warriors Live podcast featuring Fonzie 2023, episode 33. It's been guest galore lately on the podcast, and we're very grateful to have had Keith Whitelock, Corey Rosser, and the great Kevin Campion on in recent weeks. But uh, just Will and Fonz today, stripping it back. Um, Fonz, mate, how are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Come back to save the ratings of the show um, after after this this four weeks. No, it's been great having those guys on. All, obviously, all bringing something different and uh, all bringing really high quality. So it's been I've enjoyed listening to all of those conversations where I wasn't part of them. Um, are we doing a feature hour on uh, the Women's Soccer World Cup today, Will, or are we just going to stick to normal programming? How's it how's it going to go? Uh, we'll see how we we'll see how we go for time. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I know that, that being in Australia, you're absolutely buried under Matilda's coverage, which I think it's kind of cool. I'm, I'm liking seeing the. You know, it's almost like the Olympics. No one gives a shit about it until it rolls around and um, everyone's all about it. And, yeah, we'll see if um, see how the sport goes on the back of it. It's certainly given it a big boost here and there's a lot of goodwill following the um, following the New Zealand team's efforts, though they didn't make it out of pool play. Big game tonight, though, for the Matildas. Are you going to tune in, Fonz, or are you, uh, are you still sidestepping it? No, look, I mean, I, I you know, wish them well and all the rest of it, but, I mean, the sport I watch each week in order is, one, NRL, two, New South Wales Cup, if there's any, three, Queensland Cup, four, Jersey Flag, five, NRLW, and six, all other sports. So I've got a few um, matches of Q Cup and New South Wales Cup that I'll probably, if I get some time tonight, I'll get to, and then I'll save the Matildas game and, you know, maybe in the off-season over summer I might check it out and see what's going on. Now, I yeah, I do have to say it is still a bit of a punish sitting through an entire game of football, um, and that's just football in general, nothing to do with it being the Women's World Cup. I'd, I'd watch that as much as anything else. Uh, but, geez, that penalty shootout against France. Unbelievable. Drama galore. It made me think of maybe a uh, – imagine a, a goal-kicking shootout. I know it would be the worst way to decide a game, but imagine that and you're getting through to your, like, your 10th string goal-kicker. Um, Man, if, if we want to go all crazy, I reckon instead of shootout, I'd just like to see player drop-off. So, like, every two minutes a player drops off. Touch. So you start with 13, yeah. yeah, and you go down to, like, I don't know, five, and and you just see who's left. you got – you know, Sean Johnson stepping in a field of fives or something at, at the end. That's what I'd do if I had to to do something um, something a bit silly. But, uh, yeah. Um, now, if you haven't heard yet about how much of a bunch of legends and how crazy they are about the Warriors uh, at King's Container Crew, um, go to kingscontainercrew.com, Kings with a Z. Um, they've got all your container packing and unpacking Solutions in Auckland, Christchurch, Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, and Perth, and they're great supporters of the show. So thank you, Kings. Also, a couple of belated thank yous to some new Patreon supporters, uh, Steve Anderson and Adam Kelso. And I'm not sure if we have thanked Bevan, but if we haven't, mate, thank you very much. And to all of our uh, loyal, long-serving Patreon supporters, it's very much appreciated. yeah. Awesome. Into, awesome. Uh, into the weekend. Fonz, it was it's a weird juncture, actually, for a Warriors season. We're five mm. on the trot, which is, you know, outstanding by any measure, certainly historically. Um, 
but a bit of a form trough at the moment. Struggled to beat a 12-man Titans and into probably one of our least impressive performances of the season to hold off the Tigers 30-22. to 22. Looked like running away with it a couple of times and they just kept clawing back. Yep. Yep, it was a weird old game. Um, I, <laughs> I just don't think we're playing very well at the moment, Will. So I want to talk about that a bit more. And um, I saw in the post-match presser, Webby said, there's no amount of training drills we can do that will fix this. It's mindset. It's just concentration. And he mentioned that we're leaking tries that aren't typical of us. So he's basically saying it's some form of, you know, the boys are looking ahead or, you know, playing down to the opposition or some other thing like that at the moment. Um, and in a way, it'd be good to think it's that. Uh, but, yeah, it's not not quite how we were sort of sitting here a few weeks ago talking about continuous improvement to sort of challenge the best teams. It's sort of more going the other way just at the minute. What do you think about yeah. that? Yeah, well, I still think there's plenty of time and, you know, better to peak in, in, in a month's time than, than now and then start sort of flaking out uh, towards the end of the regular season. But, yeah, it wasn't particularly impressive at all. The best part was we got the win still. Um, Webby placated me a little bit there. He, he uh, just has a way of of uh, talking about, you know, less than uh, great performances and making me feel a bit better. It's almost the opposite of Brownie. When Brownie tried to make make it sound like things were okay when they weren't, I just thought, this guy's got no idea or he's deluded. Um, and, yeah. yeah. But I think I, I, I'd, uh, I can certainly see that. I mean, it's a long season. Um, we're in this stretch of games against uh, teams where it may be a bit harder to, to get up for. And who are fired up? I thought the Gold Coast were super fired up. The Tigers, I thought they brought it. They were pretty good, really, given their general standard this year. Dane Laurie yep. was on fire. Um, as you said before, I think the thing that really stood out to me was the way they conceded their tries. It was actually really jarring to see, you know, line breaks made the way that they were. And uh, even the, the previous weeks, the you know, obviously those performances were a little bit frustrating, letting those games go down to the wire and we seem well in control. Those, you know, the odd mistake from a from an error, directly from an error or a intercept or from a, you know, a jammy try from a kick that, you know, you don't get too concerned about that. I think getting torn apart by Dane Laurie was a bit of a bit of a step backwards in that department. Hopefully just uh uh yeah, just an anomaly and uh tighten it up next, uh, this Friday. But yeah, is that is that how you sort of viewed those the way that the Tigers yeah. racked up their points? Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, I can cut us some slack if the attack was a bit clunky because if you think about it, for most of the game there, the spine was Tulpiki, who's a rookie, um, Sirenen at hooker, uh, who's not a hooker, and Metcalf, who, you know, is still finding his feet, I think, in a way, and then Sean. So, you know, that's three of our starting spine for the year, not there. Um, so I could cut them plenty of slack in terms of attacking cohesion and that sort of thing. But defensively, yeah, we were just loose at A and B, you know, defender. Like they were opening up the middle or skipping out from the middle and um, shortening us up and creating numbers way too easy. And it did did just smack of a team who's kind of like, uh, we got this covered. <laughs> so 
we don't need to um, be locked in every minute. You know, we can afford to have lapses because we've got this we've got this covered, and if we need to pull it out, we can. Which is, I just think that's a really dangerous way to be this close to the finals. And like maybe like the the positive way to view that is our senior players know that we're a gun team and they don't they think we're ready for the finals um i i don't i'm nowhere near that confident like i don't hold that level of confidence i mean did you see brisbane on the weekend what i mean they are doing the exact opposite to us they're ripping teams to shreds better teams than the tigers ripping them to shreds and you know you've got to look at those two performances at the moment and think imagine we play them in three weeks where how does that end not real well yeah yeah, I mean, obviously, if we put up that performance where we get smoked, uh, I'd like to think we would we would lift for the likely week one game in the finals, whether it was next week or in three weeks' time, um, you know, that we've got it in us. Uh, Penrith is another example. I thought we're pretty ordinary against Manly, but got it done probably mm. a bit more impressively than we did. Mm. Um, but it is, yeah, it's certainly worth noting that, you know, with some of our guys out, I'm a big fan of Tuapiki, but uh, what the influence Chance has on the side is obviously pretty massive, and we've been missing him for the last what 140 minutes or so of footy, um, and we have kind of struggled a bit. Um, you know, I've, I've got no idea the the ins and outs of how much a, a fullback you know organises the defensive line and whether that would have had anything to do with the lapses there. But um, you know, I'm sure I'm sure it doesn't help not having your your uh, star fullback there, and Egan's um, absence for from the 23rd minute was huge. I haven't seen a uh, sloppier or more clunky uh, dummy half performance for some time. I thought Surinan's filled in reasonably well um, at times this year, but geez, it was quite uh, quite jarring to watch. He, he did set up a try, which was very nice for Tohu, but other than that, it seemed every pass was just you know Off. a few inches. Away from the mark and just a, a tad slow. Yeah, I reckon with Ciro, his um, direction and like pass selection around dummy half is actually okay. Like he mm. knows where to put the ball, who needs the ball, and that sort of thing. Like he's not going the wrong side or um, or going or going um, wide when he should be playing tight, that sort of thing. But his problem is um, he, yeah, he just basically. I think it's on one side in particular. Alrighty, so while I'm sitting here um, taking the piss out of Ciro's passing game, I've just let my laptop crash and interrupted the stream. So uh, apologies for that. This is um, me channeling some larking style IT issues on this beautiful Wednesday. But yeah, so back to what I was saying about Ciro. So yeah, I think it's just he doesn't have smooth passing both sides and he doesn't have, um, I mean, he just hasn't done the probably tens of thousands of reps that a guy like Egan has. So um, he does a good job for what he is, which is a back row of filling in a hooker, but he's not going to be the same. So, yeah, absolutely. The attack sort of stuttering from that, I can cop. And I also agree that the Tigers and the um, the Titans a week before, um, they're, they're playing well against us. Like they are seeing us as a good team, stepping up, trying to spoil, adjusting how they play to have a go at us. Uh, I did think that, like you said, Laurie and um, the fullback did a you know a good job at sort of being fast around the ruck and to the extent we were a bit lazy, you know, in our in tight defence, they exploited it. 
So, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm certainly not sort of wanting to be overly negative about it. I just, I do, I do feel a bit underwhelmed about this charge into the finals at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it was a Titans home game and a lot was made of it. It was a sellout crowd and I thought they rose to the occasion. Um, I honestly think there's something in this whole New Zealand alternate ground so do you know we've seen it time and again our <laughs> record's appalling that was our 10th win in 34 games which is far worse than our overall record even in Australia um yeah. and we made hard work of it just to get our first win in five attempts in Hamilton and we've you know already seen it this year the loss in Napier to, to a origin depleted Broncos so I think there's something in it and uh, maybe a silver lining uh, from the our NRL rivals being so stingy and not bringing any games over except for the Tigers, uh, maybe it was a blessing in disguise. Yeah, it could be. Could be. Hey, can we talk about Mitch Barnett for a sec? Um, yeah. Didn't have his best game. I mean, he made a couple of errors early on that put us under pressure and that sort of thing. But this was the first game where I've really noticed him being manhandled at prop um, by the opposition sort of Clemmer and some of these boys, Stefano, were after him. And he was often getting held up in three-man tackles, really slow play the ball, really slow um, ruck speed. And, you know, I, I wonder if you notice that too and, and what that means in terms of how we structure our prop rotation going forward. Like, do we need to bring a bunty back? I know he's back this week, we'll talk about that. But generally, at full strength. Yeah, maybe. I mean, uh, yeah, it was noticeable and obviously Adam put in a, an almighty oh. shift to uh kind of negate that but um but and we it was a good you know good work rate good uh meters per carry from barnett 16 and 155 meters but uh as you said the you know the play the ball speed 4.2 seconds is yeah pretty slow for a prop that's kind of one of your your kpis um sure for is. a front row these days and yeah, I mean, I think it, it probably highlighted as well by those uh, those twin drops of uh, the first hit up from the kickoffs. Um, yeah, but yeah, an interesting one, one to keep an eye on. Maybe you know Barnett is better as that first change front row yeah. or on or on an edge. So uh, interesting to see how how Webster addresses that. Have you got the stats up there? What were his post contact meters in that game? Uh, post contact were um, yeah only thirty. So that's yeah. Very small tally for yeah. how many running meters he had. It's it's you know roughly the same as what Torhu had in the same game, and even Marata wasn't a hell of a lot more than that. But yeah, still pretty pretty, pretty light. Good. I mean that's what you're going to get from Barnett, right? He's because he's fast over the ground. You, you're going to get more pre-contact meters out of him compared to a slower, bigger body prop. But then it's all about getting him into a position or uh, whether it's a body position or, you know, in between two players, something like that, so he can find his front quick. Otherwise, when he gets into contact, he doesn't make post-contact meters. In fact, he'll get held up, stopped, and slowed right down. So something went a bit off with that, and we saw Adam put in the absolute, like, the best front row performance of the round by far, 260-odd metres, I think it was. Played 70, 72 minutes, 74 minutes? Yeah, 27 runs. Um yeah, enormous good defensive work rate, and then the, the uh, map ceiling. Well, they all, it was more or less the map ceiling try, um, yeah. and it was a good one too. So massive from Adam. The minutes he's playing is crazy. I, I was going to ask Fonz, is there any sort of burnout risk that we're he's playing such big minutes in, in these kind of 
not meaningless games, but obviously they're not um, our big games. You know, do, does he should he be easing off the workload, or is it you know does he need to just keep going at this this sort of rate, and that's what will produce in the finals? We we don't win that game if he doesn't do that. I'll tell you yeah. now. If he plays 40, 50 minutes like a normal prop, we don't win that game. I'm confident of that. So um, is there a burnout risk? Look, I mean, I'm sure they're reducing his training load and all the rest of it through the week to make up for the fact that he's doing double shifts on the weekend. But part of me, you know, maybe a slightly dark part of me, actually, you know how he was limping off this week? I'd actually like to see what happens if Adam doesn't play one week. I really would, I'd really, i be really interested to see that because do the other guys – can they step up even just in a one-off to try and partially cover that gap so that we see what life looks like without him? Or do we just dead set lose the middle and get lapped? Because I reckon the second thing would happen. I reckon if we didn't have Adam, that's that's what would happen. And it's, that's a little bit scary in terms of key man risk. Yeah, well, the, the season fell apart uh, under in Nathan Brown's first season, which started relatively promisingly, and then Adam was out for 10 weeks and yep. we just uh, struggled. In the middle of the park, he's just been enormous every week. He's delivering, and you know, not just a workhorse, but quality and dynamic. Seven tries for the year, which is huge for a front row. Um, yeah, we and leadership be lost without him. Yeah, and leadership. Yeah. Like as you said, we're in the seventy-something minute. The bloke's got a, an ankle that's twinging him, as we saw when he's walking off. But he's still wanting to do the the run to score a try. Like he's still running running lines. You know, he doesn't have to do that. It's not his it's not his job in a seventy second minute in good ball to be, you know, lining himself up for the try scoring play, but he's still doing it. So he's um yeah, I can't speak highly enough about him. Interestingly on that, I did a poll on Twitter where I said, um, imagine it's the week before the GF and we're at full strength that a player goes down at training. Um, and you get to decide who it is out of these four. So it was um, Adam, Sean, Tohu, and Walker. I don't think you can do five, so I couldn't get Egan on there, but that would have been my five. But those were the four. I don't know if you saw that, but what would you have said yeah. out of those? Um, I think I voted in that, and I think I voted for Walker as much as I'd hate to lose him. I think yeah. he's probably the the most, the, potentially the least noticeable loss of those four and Tohu would be next for me as much as I love him and he, what he brings but yeah Sean and Adam are the two that you, you can't lose Which way would you have gone on if you had to pick Sean or Adam? I think I'd probably have to play the heart card on that one I'd, I'd hate for Sean to miss a grand final but yeah I think Adam at this stage is, is just about as, as vital to, to winning a big game like that Yeah so we got I got 240 votes on that so it's not a bad little sample to and so the order was um, Walker was most popular, as in I'd lose Walker. Tohu second most, so same as you. Third was Sean, and fourth yeah, was well. and fourth was Adam. And I, I probably agree with that. I, that. That's my order as well. Um, so yeah, interesting. He's uh, he's carrying us on his back, the big fella. Um, what did you make of the bench rotation? Obviously, given that Adam's having to do so much work. Um, Dylan Walker, only 20 minutes. Jazz, 22 minutes, about what he did against the Titans. Yeah. And then Karen, only the 28 minutes as well. And this, it, it seems slightly odd it's, to me. Um, it didn't work all that well. I mean, so what we seem to be doing uh, – I only watched this game once, by the way, and I was on, on the beers, so um, this isn't 
one of my detailed analytical reviews. But um, I mean, in that first half, a lot of the shape we were doing was um, to set up with Yukore um, taking a, a hit on that right sort of tram line to open up the left side. You notice we're going left a lot. Um, and so Nikore was doing a lot of work. There was a lot of focal point in attack from him in that first half. And I think because of that, the plan was always to have Curran come on and give him a rest um, for 20, 30 minutes. So I think there's a little bit of we're deliberately going to hit that Nikore channel and get him doing a, you know, a lot of power forward runs. Um, and because of that, we'll want to give him a rest. So I, I don't mind that approach. Um, and I don't see like you, you've got to give the quarter the majority of the minutes there so if you're going to use current at all that's that's a way to use him but yeah the middle the middle's the interesting one right so you you start out with um afb and barnett and then you sort of move to jazz and tohu well or depending like because afb this time didn't really get any, any kind of rest yeah, I think um, five minute rest and only a few minutes at the end yeah um, but Jazz sort of comes on and plays as another middle. And, you know, like if you think about a, if let, let's take the rotation, forget about the game of the weekend so much, take the rotation where we start AFB and Bunty and Tohu as our middle three, and then imagine you sub them for Barnett, Jazz and Walker, right, which is all out attacking middle. Like that's all out, you know, Walker with a ball playing, playing like another halfback, um, Jazz fast, running lines and angles and that sort of thing. And Barnett, you know, your more mobile um, working middle. You know, if you look at that um, model, you've got to be on top for those that that middle unit to win you the game. Like if you're on the back foot coming out of yardage and you've got that middle, you're stuffed, right? Jazz is, Jazz is not a great middle when you're working out of your 20. He's not. He's a brilliant middle when you've got some momentum up and you're coming over halfway. You know, he's ideal yeah. in that space. So... It kind of like Walker, Jazz, and those guys. It depends wh how you're going in the game overall. You're winning the um, kick chase game. You're winning the yardage and the field position game. Because if you are, they'll help you come downhill real quick. But if you're not, um, yeah, they're they're probably not going to be what you need at the time. So, I um, I mean, I, I just don't feel like we got into a rhythm to let that unit roll. Like to you know let the Ball Brothers do their thing. Also, not sure if Walker's hundred percent fit. Did he seem a bit yeah. off to you? Yeah, well, well, I thought he was definitely off the, the performance-wise. You know, he, he hardly passed the ball and made an error. Just didn't seem quite his, his usual self. But it, looking at his minutes for the season, every game for the Titans game, he played at least 40 minutes. Mm. Only 30 minutes against the Titans and the season low 20 last week. Still busy when he was out there, but um, yeah. Um, interesting to see his minutes pulled what back so much. I'd love someone, and this is straight out us being lazy. Um, I'd love someone out there if you've done it, like um, um, CCs or one of these dudes, to just put up on Twitter or NZ Warriors forum just the middle rotation and the time people, the team went on and off and who was playing middle at various times because it was a really weird one on the weekend and I didn't track it in my notes this week. Um, and you know, I, I think I think he is exper with Jazz coming back. He's experimenting with different combinations of middles in different orders, and I don't know. It's quite working at the minute. Um, as far as that bench goes, obviously this week Barnett is out and Bunty comes straight in. Um, yep. So the bench remains unchanged. But when it 
comes time for the crunch and you have to wonder if you uh, decide if you're squeezing Bunty in to the 17 there. Um, what what does your bench look like? I mean, obviously I trust Webby and, and his plan, but for me, I would rather ditch uh, Saranen and, 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 you know, gamble on Wade playing 80 and if he doesn't, then just and then just chuck Jazz in there. I mean, if Jazz is only getting limited minutes anyway, then for me, he's just as good an option as at dummy half as, as Saranen is, and he's got a fair bit of experience. I know he doesn't like playing there, and I don't like having him there, rather. But surely the plan is Egan for eighty, and if it's and if that's the case, then you've just got Saranen there as a you know fairly average dummy half cover. You might as well have Lussick on the bench. Yeah, he's slightly more versatile, but I mean, you know, you've got no shortage of versatility on that on that bench already. Yeah, I'm probably the other way, mate. I, like the amount of times Egan's gone down, I think you've got a plan for him. And Ciro, I agree with you. He's not a he's not a hooker, but um, I think you know, let's say Egan goes down at the 50th minute when you're holding a 10 point lead, you know, Ciro will get you home. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah, at the 20th minute, if you're down 6-0, I don't know, you want Ciro there. To, yeah. But, yeah, so and also he can he can cover back row injury. He can cover even centre injury at a pinch. Um, you know, like he does let you – he does sort of give you that broader injury cover. So I'm probably inclined to keep Ciro. But, um, you know, I mean, if, if, you, if AFB and Tohu are playing big minutes, I think you can have Ciro and Jazz in your team. Like I don't, I don't think you need to carry. So basically, your bench would be Walker, Jazz, Ciro, and Curran. Um, oh, hang on, you got to get Barnett in there if you're not starting him. Yeah. So has so say yeah. Barnett's coming back. Who are you? Mm. Are you just punting Bunty, or are you looking at someone else that's on the bench there? Obviously, Barnett's we, in your first choice seventeen. Yeah. So you got to either then say to um, Nikora, you'll do an eighty. Curran, don't need you. And yeah. I've got plenty of back row cover between Ciro and, you know, so-and-so. If Nikora needs a rest, I'll give Ciro some minutes there if he's not playing hooker. Um, yeah, or you've got to say, Jazz, can't squeeze you in. You know, if mm. you bring a bunty back, that's the that's a trick. It, and it's hard, like, again, you want Toho to play 60 minutes. You want AFB to play at least 60 minutes. You want Walker to play 50-plus minutes. So between those three, you've already got near enough 180 minutes out of your middle rotation, there's not a lot left for others, you know. For so yeah, it's, look, it's it's just hard, and I think like like I said on the weekend, I think if you say we're really going to go through Nakora's channel, you need Curran. Um, if you say no, we're, we're going to play this one a bit straighter, a bit more left oriented, um, then maybe you can say Nakora's going to play 80. I'll just go zero, and that gives me that versatility. But I, I'd just be too nervous going into a big game without. Lusik or Ciro on the bench. Yeah, he's probably has missed uh, too many, uh, you know, f- failed to finish too many games this season, Egan, just getting yeah. it. Not that it, that was his fault the other night, but he just has a knack of uh, getting, getting wiped hurt. out. And, um, and, and by the way, yeah. if you reckon Ciro's a shit-filling dummy half, mate, Jazz, like, honestly, Jazz makes Ciro look like, you know, Harry Grant and Cameron Smith combined. So... I guess the fact that he hasn't played at all there this season is probably not ideal either. But no. um, I guess I would just like, you know, a more suited dummy half that could cover yeah. the same, and you know, 
it's a lot of a lot of uh, teams do carry a pure hooker on the bench. So yep, horses for courses. But um, either you know any of those options are probably going to be pretty satisfactory. I think. Uh, touching on a couple of other guys um, that's coming down to the crunch. Luke Metcalf has one more game at five eight before Tomato Martin is available. According to uh, the latest news on his injury, um, thought Metcalf's running game was was good, or he looked dangerous uh, every time he touched it, but not really getting that left fire, left edge firing. A couple of bad decisions in defence mm. on the weekend, and uh, yeah, Tomate is uh, on the cusp of a return. Does he come straight back in? Does he get a weekend cup and then into the first grade team for? Uh, the last round, or do you stick with Luke? Yeah, I, I'm a bit. Metcalf's a bit like the team as a whole. Probably got to a good level, but then hasn't kicked on. Um, because I agree with you, his timing seems a bit off on that left edge. He's not quite in sync with that left edge, and we went that way a lot. That didn't quite convert against you know a team that can leak points. Um, I think Tamara is a better player than Metcalf right now. So it just comes down to, you know, and I don't think there's this thing of, like, he's an old head, Tamara. He knows, he's no Sean. They've been done a preseason together. You know, there's no issue with combination in my mind. So to me, as soon as he's physically ready, bring him straight back in. And like, he's playing a left sided half role, right? He's not, he's not, we're not asking him to, make 30 tackles in the middle. Like, if he wants to bludge on the blind side a bit, you know, he, he kind of can in that role, and Sean does the the dominant playmaker role. So as long as he's got the speed and agility back, um, and, you know, I, I can live with him having a couple of weeks to build um, conditioning in-game. So I'd bring him back. I think we're a more settled team with him. Um, I think that the team is is more likely to beat a very good opposition with Tim Mara there. But what do you reckon? Yeah, I've I was in two minds for a while when uh, when Metcalf was carving up against some sort of fairly modest opposition, and then now that we've been involved in a few tight games, he's been found wanting a little bit in a few areas, and I'm certainly back on the bring Tomato straight back in bandwagon. Uh, as you said, old head, um, he's a very good defender mm. and just a calm sort of player. We don't need a strike player at 5-8 necessarily. I mean, it's nice, and when Metcalf does break the line or back up to score, it's great, but it's not something that we're desperately in need of. Um, one yeah, one thing that, that, that tick in Tomate's uh, column is um, in 2017 when uh, Johnson Thurston went down with a season-ending injury, he slotted straight in there and helped uh, him and Michael Morgan took the Cowboys from eighth to a grand final, so he's got some pretty uh, handy finals experience there, and uh, I think he can play a similar foil for uh, for Johnson, who's just absolutely on fire um, as well. So, yep. you know, it takes pressure off Tomato having to do too much as far as sparking the side. So, yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully he's uh, ready to go next week and he can get a run against the Dragons and then the Dolphins and be, you know, somewhere near 100 for the finals. Yeah, like I'm a big fan of Metcalfs generally. And yeah, but a lot same. of people say, well, we've won, you know, X in a row with Luke there. But we, we haven't won him off the back of what he's doing on the left edge. In fact, he's our that edge is our weaker defensive edge. And all our points pretty much, or all our good shapes have been coming down the right or through the middle, if we're being honest. So um, 
I, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't attribute the run we've had to him, and I wouldn't make that influence my decision. Well, we went four and one with uh, Tomate there at the start of the season. It was, yeah, it was amazing to think that it was so early in the year that we lost him. It was against the Knights that he went off, and we ended up losing that game. Um, mm-hmm. Before four one going into that game, um, so it's a long layoff, but you know the team made a hell of a lot of progress with him, with him there, and we persevered with Walker for a bit before Metcalf got his opportunity, and I think yep. he has done well, but um, yeah, probably, probably not as much of what we need in him as as there is in Tomato. So we'll see. Um, yeah, we'll see. Teamless Tuesday next week will be a big one. Yeah, it will. Well, because if we lose this, and I'm going to say it now, I think we will lose this. Um, Speaking. Yeah, if we lose this, then uh, I think we do have to be, like Webby and all of us generally are going to have to be looking at it from a, okay, hang on, what's wrong? Like what needs to change? What needs to adjust? Because I, I, I feel like we're going to lose this game. I watched Manly last week. And they were playing weird. Seabold's a weird guy, man. I, I don't know what the hell he's doing half the time. But Ruben um, Garrett's kick on the first tackle. Yeah, that's man, like, he's, <laughs> like I reckon this is one of Seabs. They reckon he outsmarts himself and the players, Seabs. And it just looked like one of those where Seabs going, "Oh, we're going to relax this and do that." And the players are like, "Awesome, we're playing all sorts of crazy." Anyway, but um, yeah, I, I, I thought their performance was better than ours on the weekend, and so. Um, yeah, I, I'm not confident this week. I am confident that our best is better than their best, no doubt, but I just think we're in a little bit of a trough at the moment. Uh, yeah, we'll come to that one, uh, that game a bit later. Um, anyone else you want to touch on? Sean, obviously pretty classy again in a, a team that was really battling. Um, two uh, lovely try assists, another yeah. key involvement for Dallas try. Picking game was good under the circumstances, I thought, and uh, Despite that quad problem that saw him um, palm off the duties to Adam Pompey, who looked pretty good off the tee, and I thought it was uh, actually not a bad move anyway to get him a, a few, like, you know, game that's different kicking in a game than it is um, at practice with no one around. Uh, good to get Adam having a, a few shots of goal should he need to in the finals. Uh, but interesting to see that Sean came back to uh, kick that clutch penalty when we actually definitely needed a goal, and he drilled it. Yeah. Um, so yep. you know, quad can't have been too bad. Yeah, I don't know about that quad. Um, that that might have been like some of the COVID cases that we had last year that sort of mysteriously disappeared very quickly. I mean, uh, here's an interesting one. Um, it wasn't Metcalf who was given the kicking as a practice for in-game kicking in the finals. Metcalf's a better kicker than Pompey. Metcalf's yeah, is that? Does he do a bit of kicking, does he? 100%. 100%. I think it was something like the last 17 kicks, Metcalf's had at all levels. He's kicked 15 out of 17. Okay. Um, So that tells me something that Webby went, okay, so if Shorty can't kick, it's Pompey. It's not Metcalf. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, Another one, Rocco Berry. Very... (laughs) Quiet from a yeah. more carrying perspective again. Uh, anything in that? Do you think it's tactical because he has been so light on carries in the last two weeks that yeah. it almost seems like it has to be a directive? Like, yeah. I mean, there's no, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Like, I, I think, um, and Webby's Webby seems more like this than any coach I've ever seen, actually, where he is giving players narrow roles. 
like Bunty, you know. Bunty's being told, don't take carries, mate. Um, run decoy lines and tackle. And I think there's no doubt Rocco's being told, you're leading kick chase. We're kicking, we're kicking yardage kicks to the right edge. You're first up. You make that tackle. You get up and you make the next tackle if you can, right? Um, and save your juice for that. We don't want you doing yardage carries because you're probably not that good at them anyway. We've got blokes here who are better than you. Like if you're constructing a yardage set at full strength, you've got Chance, Montoya, um, Dallin, right, in some combination. You don't want Rocco replacing any of those in a yardage carry. Um, he should only be doing a yardage carry if one of them is out of position or gas. So I think Webby is quite specific with roles that he's saying to Rocco, don't want you doing yardage. Um, in attack, Webby's... The shape we run on the right is we target their three men, as in their their half, on their left side, our right, and we get um, our back rower running inside the half and Berry running an outside in line outside the half. And Berry's job is through that line to drag the centre in, the opposition centre in, yeah? And so if the centre doesn't follow, remember Talakai against the Sharks kind of stayed out or, or, or didn't, didn't follow Berry in, then Sean hits him and Barry has a crack at scoring. But if the centre follows Barry in, that's when we've got our fullback sweeping around, creating the extra man for Dallin. So um, in that's the shape we like to run on the right in good ball. Uh, it's exactly that. So his job is just to run that outside in line and suck the centre in. If he succeeds in sucking the centre in, Dallin's going to score. That's that's basically the model. So. Um, it's like the fact that he's not scoring tries and so on doesn't worry me because he's executing his role in that shape very well and we're scoring tries on the right. You know, we're successfully um, stripping him on the right. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's still got a long way to go, but um, he makes his tackles. He um, does the work in kick chase. He holds his lines really well on our right side of shape and our right side of scoring a lot of tries. Um, yeah, I, you know, he's a, he's a young guy with plenty of development to go. He's doing okay. He's um, probably begging Webby for a couple more runs. Just be like, my, my stats fucking stink. I'm lost they in the NRL outside Baxter. But, um, yeah, he's, if, if, it, if that's the job he's been asked to do, then it's hard to fold him. I think the games where he has racked up the metres he have been those games that have opened up and he's getting yeah. a lot of ball on spreads inside our half and making yeah. a bit of a break. There's this uh, case against the Dolphins and the Sharks. He's quite dangerous in those sort of situations. But um, yeah, yeah. I guess when it comes to a tight game like that and we're having to truck it out a lot, he's uh, just not really featuring as prominently. You just compare our back five to what Newcastle's doing at the moment. Their back five had almost 900 metres between them um, on the weekend. And it's been a big part of the reason why they're winning six in a row. Our back five is not quite as as prominent. I mean, Pompey averages 100 metres, which is solid enough, but it's not elite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, same with, you know, Dallin was our standout on the weekend, 151 metres. Montoya um, is generally pretty solid, but um, yeah, you do feel like it is all part of Webby's master plan rather than laziness or... Yeah, look, I mean, if it's laziness, man, his teammates would be telling him about it. Right, if it's like, hey, we're gas, get in here and do some tough carries, mate. I don't think they'd be shy about it. But yeah, Webby, Webby really is very specific. Um, like the Bunty's the other example of that, where Bunty stats make no sense. If you just profile Bunty stats, you say this makes no sense how they're in the terms of his carries. It's definitely a coaching directive. Now that might be because 
the coach sees a weakness in part of his game. And so he's avoiding that weakness, right? Deliberately avoiding that weakness. Um, so that's not to say that, you know, that um, Webby might have a view that Barry's yardage carries are horrible, so he doesn't want them part of his set construction, right? So, um, and and if that's the case, he's got to work on that. But yeah, I, I just think that's where it is. And, and we've got far bigger problems than worrying about Rocco. Yeah, I mean, he's solid otherwise. I thought he did a, did a fair bit of defence to in that first half and made some yeah. good tackles. Um, that be good just, to see him get a bit, bit of an opportunity. Just to close that, that right edge in both attack and defence is very in sync, very joined up, has good shape, right, holds its shape. Um, no one no one watching our games can honestly tell me the right edge doesn't look like it's working as a unit. Yeah. Um, I can't say that about the left edge all the time. I don't know. I don't know why I worry about them. The right edge is okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. But I think uh, Tomato coming back in would make me feel a bit, bit more uh, secure about that left edge. Uh, yeah, and on both sides of the ball. Um, the Kings container crew um, player ratings from the weekend. You know, a thousand tabs open here. Where have we got? Uh, no surprises. The uh, King-sized effort of the week goes to Adam Fanua Blake. Only gave him an eight, I think, marked down because of the team performance. But really, it was probably a nine. He was outstanding by any metric um, and you know, carried them on his back and to a large degree. Yeah. Um, after that, I think Sean's seven point five was uh, the only other one to get a score of the uh, Torhu with his huge work rate. Got a seven point five, and then the yeah, other everyone else was seven or below. Um, so yeah, not the, the most fun one we've done all season in that department. But uh, we'll back up again on Friday night with the Kings Container Crew player ratings. Um, what else? Anything else on that that game, Fonz? No, look, I think that's about it. Like I said, I I'm, I'm not digging too deep into these ones because I walk away going, man. I've, I don't think that's that's us having our best crack. So, a bit like the team, you know, let's let's not worry too much until the the finals roll around. I mean, I think you know, um, if we jump into our favourite segment, ladder watch. So, I was just say yeah, it's um it's now. I mean, we need to be opening a beer and um, taking a bit of time to savour the fact that we have made the semis guaranteed. We cannot not yeah. make the semis now. Um, there's no mathematical way we cannot make the semis. So that's just unbelievable from where we started the year and where I thought we'd be. I, I gave us I gave us like less than 10% chance of making the semis. You know, so this is just already, even if we lost every game from here, it's been a bloody good year. Um, I think looking forward to make the four, one win out of three could do it, but you need two to be sure. At this yeah. Point. So I think we're... Too far clear of Canberra. If we yeah. won one, just one win would get us there because they're foreign against is appalling. So one win guarantees we hold Canberra out. Sharks could get us if we lost two and they won three. They're four points adrift. And just looking at their draw quickly, um, while it's, it's, crashes it's around in the background. Well, I was going to get that get that beer. I said I'd have to toast uh, our, our finals. Um, yeah, cheers. Yeah. Cheers, bro. Cheers, man. Yeah. Yeah. To, there to, we are, virtual clinking. To Webby um, and Nawaz. Webby yeah, and Nawaz good. playing finals. How fucking good. Um, um, but it's not an easy draw for Cronulla North Queensland this weekend. I actually think they'll lose that. Uh, Newcastle away 
in around 26, and then Canberra, who could be super desperate by that stage. So it's actually one of the trickier draws yep. going around. Um, would like to hold off Melbourne and keep in that third spot. I mean, I think we win these last three games, personally. Um, Melbourne could overtake us. Their one win adrift with a similar for and against. They've got yep. the Dragons and the Titans, who they should beat, and then Brisbane in the last round, who they should lose to. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're I think we're giving up on the top two yeah. dream. It would need a massive form turnaround. Uh, the Broncos have a bye, and then they've got Canberra Melbourne. Could lose both those, but we're four points away, so we'd also need to turn around a 84-point uh, for and against deficit, yeah. which I guess if all five of those games go that way, then that's a definite chance, given the stand of our opposition. But... And when no one's catching the, well, we're not catching the Panthers unless they dropped all three to, bear with me, Gold Coast, Parramatta, North Queensland. So yeah. probably not happening either. Uh, but yeah, third is going to be an outstanding result if we manage to achieve that and a likely week one date with the Broncos in Brisbane, which, man, that is about as tantalising as it gets, I think. I mean... Obviously, we prefer to play at home, but holy shit, a game against the Broncos, week one, two versus three, Suncorp. How good. How about the matchups in that game as well? You've got, you know, the Renault versus SJ, the old stages. Yeah. You've got Fenor Blake versus Haas. You've got Chance versus um, the guy who replaced oh. Walsh. There's so oh, much. Walsh. There's so much in that game. Walsh will be, and I've got no doubt that he, would, he will step up in the finals. I mean, he did it at State of Origin. In outstanding fashion, and he'll be fired up if it is against us. It's just such a great storyline, and he will be the story all week, though, which you know, to a certain degree, takes the heat off us. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah, getting ahead of ourselves. We've still got three games to win, two, two wins. But, I, I, I'm predicting and kind of half hoping that we lose this week, that puts a rocket under the team, and then we come out and get real for those last two games, finish third and, and get in the finals. That's what I reckon is going to happen. I think the rocket may have come from that game against the Tigers just because the the um, you know the reaction to it, I guess, and I'm sure that they felt exactly the way everyone else felt about that performance, that we might see something from them this weekend. Manly are desperate. They... Um, a mathematical chance still if they won all three. So there's that factor. There's also um, the Daily Cherry Evans factor. I honestly don't think anyone in our <laughs> 21-year history has tormented us for as long and as often as Daily Cherry Evans. Uh, he's done it at Mount Smart and Grand Finals in Perth at Brookvale. Mm. All over the show, field goals galore, um, dragging his team out of you know, difficult situations when they've been playing shit to beat us. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about coming up against him, but he is carrying that side of the moment. So, We've had some dog games against Manly, losing games like 13-12 and this kind of rubbish in the last few years. So, yeah, I, that's probably part of the reason I'm being a bit pessimistic. I'm getting flashbacks to some of these games where we turn up, play crap and lose a game we should win. Um, but anyway, let's, let's see. Um, you know, I think it's it's sort of it's sort of getting to the point now where um, I think either way, like if we step up and play well, that's great. I think if we lose, it lights a fire under the team, and you know, so I'm not I'm kind of like agnostic a little bit. Yeah, 
nice way to be. It's uh, certainly given us a fair bit of leeway how well the team has gone. There's a few stats on to run past you, Fonz. Yeah. We've won eight of nine for just the second time in the club's history. 2002 was the other time. Um, yep. If we win uh, this weekend, six-match winning streak for only the third time. Um, the last time was 2002. We've got a, a club record eight-match winning streak uh, mm-hmm. fitting in Daniel Anderson round uh, for a match that would be at Daniel Anderson Stadium for the week that we <laughs> would uh, equal that. There um, and just looking at those other two, the other was 1995. Um, we right. played debut, yeah, yeah, and it was very through it. We think we're getting a soft run at the time, uh, right now. This was as soft as it comes. Four of the bottom five in a 20 team comp, and no one finished better than the 11th. Than 11th. Um, <laughs> so if you're not winning six in a row, there is something wrong with you. In, the, in 2002, it actually wasn't that amazing. It was an eight match winning streak, which is great, but uh, the only team that made the finals out of the eight teams we played were the Knights and they were up without their origin players, mm-hmm. Joey and Ben Kennedy and Co. So, uh, yeah, interesting. Just gives you a bit of an idea about how well this uh, run has gone. Um, if they win their last three, they'll equal that 2002 team's eight-match winning streak, the club record. Um, and if they also win these last three, will equal the 2002 team's 17-7 record. Uh, for the season, which is obviously by far our best. So by a lot of metrics, this Warriors team is up there with our greatest. Well, it's pretty crazy to think if we win these last three and make it to a GF, this would arguably be our best ever year. Um, And last year on the metrics was arguably our worst ever year. And that turnaround in 12 months is just to be even having that conversation is just ridiculous. It would be up there with the all time greatest turnarounds in the history of uh, the premiership. Yep. Coaching done a fair bit of, of uh, fair bit on that um, of, of teams, you know, turning it around in 12 months and it's been some great stories, but this would be up there with the best of them for sure. Coaching performance of a decade, in my opinion, honestly, I can't think of a oh, better yeah. coaching performance in a decade. Yeah, yeah, he's got to got to win the uh, Dallium Coach of the Year. And uh, speaking of Dalliems, man, I'm getting starting to get nervous, excited about Dallium Night with Sean right in the mix there. I'm death riding Payne Haas every time he steps on the field, and Nico Hines and any other potential flies in the ointment there. I'm glad to see Walshy out of contention with that mm-hmm. suspension. Um, probably at best would only picked up. Uh, I'm sure even, and there's been some dodgy judging performances uh, over the years, but surely every uh, every or both judges had uh, Adam and Dane Laurie as two best players on the field on Saturday. I think so, yeah. Maybe maybe a point for, for Sean. Yeah. But, um, yeah, would, would like to see a couple of man of the matches uh, in the last three rounds just to ram it home and give them a red-hot chance of taking it out. Geez, that would be some story. And uh, personally be more satisfying than uh, than anything from an individual player perspective in my 33 and a bit years watching the game. Plus that Clive Churchill bet you put on about three months ago that I made fun of you for is looking pretty tasty now. Yeah, right? yeah, I bet you'd take 101 now, <laughs> wouldn't you? Yeah, what do you want to sell it to me for? <laughs> I'll, give, I'll probably give yeah. you 20 bucks now. Um, hey, I, it will be, and the uh, 
thousand dollar or so collect that I'll get will be a drop in the ocean to the absolute elation I would feel seeing him with that draped around his neck. Obviously, it uh, would come with a fairly good chance of the Warriors winning the Premiership too. So it's yeah. a little nugget as well. Um, do we have time, Fonz, to talk about this Eden Park? Uh, yeah, let's, yeah, look, mate, I, I don't like. I don't have a right to have an opinion about it, mate, because I don't live in Auckland. I don't, you know, like I don't have a a dog in a fight. I mean, I, to me, um, from from where I see it, as someone who doesn't go to Mount Smart every week because I don't live in Auckland, I love the idea. There's going to there might be fifty thousand at a Warrior Semi in New Zealand. I understand the viewing, at, um, you know, is not as good, and um, there'll be uh, a different feel and the, the noise and all that, but there'll be 20,000 people plus who go to the game who wouldn't otherwise. And, I yeah, I like that idea. And over here in Australia, you know, and with the decision makers at the NRL, um, a big number like that, you know, Warriors gets, if they got 50,000 at Eden Park, you know, that that raises eyebrows in terms of how we how serious they take the Warriors, you know, the commercial potential of the Warriors. So, yeah, like I'm... Um, like I said, I'm not qualified to talk about it because I don't live in Auckland, but there's some good there'd be a good side if it did end up in Eden Park and we got that big crowd. Yeah, you should have uh, stolen my thunder fonts because I was gonna come in hot and say pretty much all of those things have said <laughs> not quite as eloquently. But for me, yeah, Mount Smart gives us a better chance of winning. It's our spiritual home, it would fucking go off. Mount Smart would be just electric. But I think Eden Park will be too. As you said, it's you know. 15 to 20,000 fans that wouldn't be able to go that will be able to get the opportunity to see history made. Um, you know, it it feels like a big final, I think, mm. being at Eden Park, it, you know, for, for all its faults. Um, and I, I know a lot of people don't like it. I actually don't mind it. I've seen, you know, sold out Bledisloe Cup and test matches, league test matches there. And um, I actually don't mind it that much um you know nines and stuff it, it does it's it's not going to be like anz stadium with fifty thousand in it that's for sure you're, mm-hmm. you're close to the action you are at anz um the capacity i was i got excited because i thought we could break the record for the biggest ever league crowd in new zealand i think from looking at some stats the uh the capacity for recent uh sold out um union tests is forty seven thousand and the 1988 uh, World Cup final got uh, between New Zealand and Australia, the, the league got uh, just over 47. So we might not get to break that, but it'll be by far the biggest Warriors crowd in New Zealand. Um, yeah, it just needs to be 38,000, I think, at the same ground uh, from 2011. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's a huge opportunity for the code, as you said, like, you know, what it says about the way the league is going in New Zealand, about the way the Warriors are going. Yeah. what they offer the competition, um, how the code is just absolutely flying, the club is killing it. Like, you know, you wouldn't get, you wouldn't fill up Eden Park, um, you know, 12 months ago. If, if, um, they, if they go up to Sun, Suncorp, beat the Bronx in front of 50,000 and then roll into Eden Park in front of 50,000, I mean, the whole thing just feels really big time, right? Like it feels like yeah. it's big time world sports exactly. things happening. That's exactly you know how I, mean? I feel. Yeah, like Eden Park is not, it's nothing, it's, you know, nowhere near as cool as Suncorp or, you know, so like a grand final at MCG, whatever, but it is at, uh, our premier ground in New Zealand, our biggest capacity by far. Um, and it does feel big time if we, if mm. we get a game there. Um, 
and you know it's what's fair as well i mean it's what every club in yeah, australia yeah. has to do i know yeah, in case plus, but. in case anyone doesn't know that so like all the sydney teams like if the tigers <laughs> if the tigers made it to um big games like that they couldn't play at leichardt or campbelltown they'd have to go to the olympic stadium um same for all the sydney teams they're not allowed to play at their suburban local the nrl forces them to go to the major stadiums in sydney so it's just the same rule it's not the warriors being treated any different to all the other teams absolutely in cronulla i think last year they got to play week one at home they lost and then they had home advantage but they had to play south at, at Allianz. so yeah, you know. week week one's got special rules because the um, and I think it might even be, I don't know if it's week one for everyone or just week one for the five to eight teams. I don't know, but week one has always been there's discretion. Um, but week weeks two and three, um, yeah, have to go to the big stadium. Um, and in 2018, just as a an aside, if we had a week one final, or if it somehow unfolds that we do. We'll get to play at Mount Smart in week one. Uh, the last time we we're in the finals, um, Penrith's game against us actually got shifted to ANZ. So, yeah, that's right. I was there. I was there. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, it's not like we're getting ripped off or this is another, you know, slap in the face to the Warriors. I mean, I can see maybe a concession being made because of our sacrifices, but geez, if I was that team coming over and having to go to Mount Smart, I'd say, Hold your, hold your, hold the phone. I'm not that keen on that. Let's go to Eden Park. Fuck them. They got nothing to do with it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, like it's yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm chill about it. I'm happy either way, you know. And, um, I, I, you know, I sort of respect the um, week in, week out, Mount Smart people having their preference, and I also, you know, think bigger picture there might be some benefits for Eden Park. But we are getting well ahead of ourselves. Will let's. Uh, Let's let's sign off just just for the minute and uh, revisit this conversation in a fortnight when hopefully we've locked in that game at either either Eden Park or Mount Smart. Yeah, absolutely. How good that we're even talking about that as a likelihood. Week three, three weeks out. Three. Yeah. Week two or three final and fucking at home. Unbelievable stuff. Uh, thanks, Fonz, to joining me on this Wednesday afternoon. Thanks, Pleasure, Kings. Mate. Thanks, Patreons, and uh, enjoy the game on Friday, everyone. Yep, and I really hope those. Um, Matilda's win that hockey game tonight, mate. Really looking forward to it. Oh, fans. <laughs> and until next time, go the Warriors. <laughs>